that's credibility to me. Somebody, I mean, I Paul Stamets, the mushroom guy, went on Joe Rogan and said, I can't talk about portobello mushrooms. My life is in danger. Okay. So if if the if big portobello, <laughs> big portobello. is a problem <laughs> then big whatever the hell is after that guy's family is a pro- you know what i mean like there's power and there's control the social psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Oh my. Okay, it popped back out. And we're live. I'm sorry. Hello! Oh my god, I don't know what that was. Um, so, RFK, is that what we're talking about? I heard. You'll notice that I feel fine today. I don't have any sinus problems, first of all. You're welcome. Thank you. Play the applause sound clip. Um, yeah. Literally, the one I epi- edited the podcast episode, you were just coughing and blowing your nose, and I had to edit it all out. So you're welcome, listeners. If you ever wonder what we're editing out, it's basically just Mr. A coughing and making disgusting noises. Yeah, we cannot do it live, as it turns out. Um yeah, I notice I do. And if we had a video, there's another thing about me that irritates me. If we had a video form, which I often think would help us with like getting a following, I do this thing oh, where I, yes. I like a lizard. It's because I have 5% Ashkenazi, I think. I'm always oh licking. God. Oh my God, no. <laughs> I don't like that you just pointed that out. I'm always licking the oh corners my of my mouth. It's so funny. Oh my God. That is so funny. <laughs> Anyway. Mr. A is just flicking his tongue back and forth. You'll notice it now. His teeth. I don't oh, even. It doesn't wow. even do anything. It just like Whew. it's just a weird part of my medulla oblongata or something, or whichever one's the lizard brain. Um, oh my god! So the okay, so wow. RFK is RFK. Well, I was watching or listening, I guess both a little bit um, on the Joe Rogan podcast. He was on there recently. Yes, if you don't know, RFK is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Mm. He's recently announced his candidacy for the Democratic Party for the presidential election in 2024. The son of Bobby Kennedy, uh, former president, uh, JFK's brother. And weren't JFK obviously assassinated? Wasn't his... Yes, his brother was also assassinated. Yes, so and RFK Jr.'s dad. He basically thinks mm-hmm. probably that the CIA did it both times. Yeah, maybe. It seems like it. But yeah, he was assassinated, I think, at age 42. So um, yeah, very sad. Personally, I think that gives him credibility to some extent. It, As people have been saying, he has a dog in the fight in a way. Hmm. So, but, but when I had sent you that and I was like we should talk about this RFK thing I had not seen and I since have the Jordan Peterson interview with him because you told me oh yes he's been on all the podcasts Joe Rogan Jordan Peterson all in he's going on the podcast tour you so you showed me yeah I can't remember the one I know I watched it but I gotta rewatch the one for the all in people but uh, 
less impressive on the Jordan Peterson podcast. But why? So why I went to listen to the Jordan Peterson one was because Jordan Peterson was talking to Mike Pence. Yes, he and interviewed both of them. That guy is a full fledged fucking dud. By the way, Mike Pence, get <laughs> the get. Don't even try, dude. This is what I was trying to tell you. I was oh like, on the last part, I was like, I hope Mike President doesn't become Pence, and exactly, of course I meant Mike Pence doesn't become president. <laughs> Did you hear? By the way, just fun little stupid conspiracy. So you know the uh, apocalypse is supposed to be brought in, you know, by the. Uh, the trumpets, the, oh, the trumpets sounding, yes. The Trump Pence candidacy. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is poetry hour. I heard this somewhere. I don't know where. Anyway, it's ridiculous. But uh, that guy sucks. He's just unbelievably boring, and he's a total neocon war hawk. Yeah. So it was crazy. He's was done. Crazy. That's not gonna fly. I don't know no, what I he's even doing. I don't know what's going on. But on it that, very strange. Peterson is like, which by the way, I think Peterson's become a shill. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Like he, I don't know. What was your take on that? Do you, didn't it sound like, didn't it sound like uh, he liked Pitt? Like he was like, he wouldn't say well, anything negative about, I mean, he didn't get, he wasn't like giving him a hard time. Yeah, in case you didn't know, there. So Jordan Peterson interviewed Mike Pence on the podcast, and he talked about how they had met before, and how he thought Mike Pence was a trustworthy person, you know, Jesus. seemingly a very normal person, and that did seem a little weird given Pence's responses in the conversation. Like, I don't doubt that Pence is a seemingly normal. Level-headed person. Hitler said but... I, he was going to exterminate the Jews, and I trusted him. He seems very trustworthy in that <clears> regard. <throat> like, okay, trustworthy to do what? Keep going to war endlessly and supporting he. Mike Pence was upset in that podcast that we weren't spending enough on the military-industrial complex. Yeah, that was like a major. He point. said some crazy things. Yeah, he said that. He said we hadn't given enough aid to Ukraine. We've been dragging our feet. And then he said we needed to be even more hardcore with Russia and uh, push them back uh, and hit them with a big stick. And then he talked about threatening Russia. So anyway. And here's something else nobody's po pointed out, by the way. And it's this is like, OK, I could not believe it when I heard it. I can't believe no one's played this clip like because the whole Nord Stream pipeline thing, you know, everyone's like. Who actually blew up the pipeline? Who blew or it up? Cy Hirsch or whoever it was that wrote that article was like, uh, the U.S. did it, duh. Uh, but all the mainstream media outlets were like, Russia blew up their own pipeline. This is weird. Yeah, that is weird because it's bullshit. Why would they do that? Mm. That makes absolutely – that's like Russia bombed its own capital today. Okay. Right. Like it's some kind of false I, – I, the reasons they gave was so ridiculous. Mike Pence – during that interview with Jordan Peterson, literally said, and I quote, we took out the Nord Stream pipeline. Those words came out of his mouth. Who's we, first of all? He's talking about the U.S., I'm guessing. He said, we took out the Nord Stream pipeline. So, yeah. I don't know if you if it's someone's 
discovered that google mike pence says we took out the Nord Stream pipeline i'm I maybe googling and i'm like is there a clip we need to play this clip uh, i'll find it again i'll listen to it again i mean he literally he was giving like a list of things like we did this we did that we did this we took out the Nord Stream pipeline blah, blah. i was like hey 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 everybody he just said it he said it right there and this guy's clearly if not in bed with the uh military industrial complex he sure wants to be mm. i don't see it maybe you misheard it maybe he said we handled so. the Nord Stream pipeline or something anyway well you can find the clip and add it in post post production or something we shut down the Nord Stream 2 pipeline so it, during that episode though this was the point i was going to make other than the Nord Stream thing which is a bombshell probably literally um Oh my god. He Jordan Peterson, this is why I was like uh, I don't know, just something weird about all these guys. He 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 brings up this is how I found out he that he interviewed Kennedy is he brought up that he had I've asked lots of guys, you know, if uh of these left-wingers when has the left gone through far gone too far? And then he mentioned Robert F Kennedy Jr. RFK Jr. Mm. and he said he meant he was like saying like I asked him too and basically insinuated that he didn't give an answer. I went and listened to the episode and it's true he didn't really give an answer and he even gave kind of a weaselly answer, which is why I say yeah, it was a little less impressive than the Rogan interview but because in the Rogan interview he was just letting him say what he had to say. Jordan was being a little more Mm, not combative but or yeah interrogative or interrogative i don't know whatever yeah um so the question is when has the left gone too far to me and jordan kept giving him the answer that he wanted he kept saying you've gone too far when you start invoking equity right, right. which is by the way it's one of those words like capitalism like or something like that where it's like the capitalist system we can see because we have it is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, right. But that this is not really capitalism now, is it? You know, it's like fascist. Right. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different weird. people. Right. Yeah. So when you say equity and you're trying to get a Democrat, definitely, to say, isn't equity a problem? They're not going to want to answer that question with yes or no. They're going to even want, if they did believe it because of the party line, probably. Right. Well, because you'd if you're going to answer that question, you better answer it. With a you better take the rest of the time to answer that question, mm-hmm. especially when mm-hmm. it's the question that Peterson keeps asking everybody. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was weird that he weaseled out of that when he when there's so much so much ripe fruit for picking to just be like, yeah, I th- like it's actually to be honest so when i texted you and i said i also texted my friend monica prez deep dives podcast check it out best podcast on the internet um i told her i was like she, i heard a podcast where she okay my life consists of podcasting and working on machinery apparently so that's why everything's a podcast she said she was in a podcast and she said someone mentioned rfk and she gave this interesting take on him, like, he makes me nervous and here's why. But before I, I'd already, I'd only heard her kind of pre, her first mention of it. I paused and I'm like, I got to text her and be like, can you figure this guy out? Because that's what she's good at. Her podcast is deep dives. I'm like, 
deep dive this guy like because I'm freaking out because I don't vote really anymore. I don't I don't vote. And I certainly wouldn't vote for like a Democrat generally. You know, what I'm trying to figure out is, is there anybody that's in like the Libertarian Party or some protest vote I can give that just like registers my disdain for the hill? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the extent of like considering voting that I go into. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So you're asking Monica Perez, tell me what the lowdown on RFK is because why? In my text, I'm like, I'm, I said, please help because this guy could probably get me to vote for a Democrat, which Mm, I've never done. I've only, I've never voted for a Republican either, probably. Well, I don't even think I have. I don't know. I've never voted, period, but RFK I've might voted. get me I out just to don't the remember the... I blacked out <laughs> the experience because it was... I'm so ashamed of it, I guess, at this point. But... um. Oh, my God. You voted for Jill Stein. No, but I did... It's probably that year I ran that that uh, Senate campaign for, for the Libertarian candidate. Okay, yeah. anyway. So I was just into anyway, it. Back on track. What did Monica say? What's going on? She said... I I might vote for him too. Oh, so she likes him. Okay. No, well, she had, but in her podcast that I heard her, she was expressing skeptic skepticality, skeptical skepticism, skepticism. That's the one. <laughs> and her point was something like this. I wish I could pull it up, but it was like it always makes me nervous when they when they registered trademark they you'd have to think conspiratorial it's fine to think conspiratorial you don't have to get trapped in it just let yourself consider all the possibilities one of them is just conspiratorial let yourself go let it Down happen you will, <laughs> oh obey. you will obey you will obey Stop. so she's she's oh like uh kind it's basically the idea of like what's the catch you know this sounds too good to be true what what comes next? Or you say, I think this, this, and this as a candidate. Mm. And then you get a ele- like Disbelief. And then you get in as a candidate and you go, well, I can't do it for this, this, and this reason, or new crisis this, or whatever. So there's something about that guy on the Joe Rogan experience interview where I was like, it, honestly, it's like this guy is dealing death blows right now to the pharmaceutical regime that is taken this country in its storytelling captive has ungodly power. Literally 46% of what advertising revenue from news outlets comes from pharmaceutical medical industry. So the largest single source. Yes. If you're voting and you do not listen to the episode of Joe Rogan, the most recent one where he interviews RFK, you're basically a loser. Like you have to listen to it. <laughs> you are a loser. You have to listen to it. This is the thing about RFK for me. Are you ready? This is my okay, take on yes, RFK. Please say what you think. This guy. We're ready. It's a story, but the story is super convincing. He is his whole life has been as a lawyer. He's like a I think he might even be a he's an environmental lawyer, but he's gone to trial a lot. Uh, I don't know. I guess you wouldn't consider him a trial lawyer, but he's involved. You know, he's not just like some guy that has minions do yes. his work for him. He's from Harvard. Yes, he got yeah. a. He went to Harvard and then the London School of Economics, then the University of Virginia, and and he's University. litigated hundreds of these cases, and he wins all the time. And we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to win in a court of law? before a judge or before a judge and jury, whatever. What does that mean? Does that mean 
It means so, and he'll don't let don't take my word for it. I won't even explain it. He will explain it to you on the Joe Rogan podcast. He explains what does that really mean? How? Because Joe's like, well, come on now, this is a lot of extreme stuff, and he's like, yeah, but it's like, and he, RFK basically explains like, to, there's actually a threshold to even get to tell to even get to use some of your evidence in court. Like you can't course, just be pulling yes. from scientific studies. I mean, there's a scientific study that says anything you want everywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's actually rigorous and there's a high bar to even bring evidence to some of these types of cases. And so mm-hmm. based on that, that limitation, he's still winning these cases. And we're talking about cases that say things like, Vac- this vaccine did in fact cause autism. He talks about a lady that won in the vaccine courts like $20 million because her kid got autism from the vaccine. That's a death blow because that is not a sanctioned fact. That's, mm. that's according to most people and every talking head on any news, mainstream, anything, Outlet, that yeah. is a false claim. But well, it's, it's like litigated in the vaccine a court that's versed so well in vaccines and whose primary goal is to not pay this money out. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, if you go to his Wikipedia page, RFK Jr., it literally calls him like a anti-vaccine propagandist, uh, a vaccine denier or whatever. It's like so crazy. And then it's funny, too, that you brought that up because I listened to this podcast uh, called uh, Pivot with... Scott Galloway, who's a professor of marketing at NYU Stern School of Business, and Kara Swisher, who is a journalist, reports on tech and uh, Silicon Valley. And uh, they are far left, apparently, because like they just... But yeah, so they talk about, um, you know, all sorts of news. And they were talking about RFK and like citing him as like vaccine, you know, misinformation spreader and blah, blah, blah. And I just thought it was so crazy because Kara was even saying things like, he's a lunatic and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, this dude wrote a book on this stuff, like has reviewed, you know, tons of studies. I don't know how many studies on all this because it's all in the book. It's a long book. And uh, he came to some conclusions. All the studies. All the studies. So he came to some conclusions based on reading all the research. And it's like, okay, so what grounds do you have, Kara Swisher, to say that this is vaccine misinformation. That's what I was like, going to say. Like, what's the alternative? What are you? If he's a lunatic, what does that make you? Because he's also a Harvard-trained lawyer that's litigated against <laughs> the biggest the government on the face of God's green planet. And he's a Kennedy, but he's a lunatic. What are you again? A, you have a podcast? That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're what we are. Great. No, it's so RFK's crazy. A lunatic and just by the way. We're maggots. I like what? Yeah. You know? In that same podcast, they were talking about, you know, some things that people had tweeted to her, uh, Kara, people had tweeted to her on Twitter. And uh, Scott Galloway said this thing, which is like, this is the total encapsulation of them to me, like the far whatever left you want to call these people, where he was like, I can't believe they say that kind of nasty stuff to you. They shouldn't be allowed to say that. Just let that sink in. They shouldn't be allowed to say that. About no, you. Nothing was done. They just shouldn't be allowed to say thir- certain things. These are the same people who are like, we are for free speech. We are for diversity and inclusion. But people shouldn't be allowed to say certain things if it hurts my feelings. It's like, oh, if, my God. Now that we have a Twitter, 
Can you imagine thinking that? If someone starts saying horrible things about us to us on Twitter, that will be so exciting to me. Like, why is that? It would be great. It would be great. Why is By that the way, a problem? Yes. That's fantastic. We have a Twitter now. Social Psychopod. Go check it out. I don't know how to use Twitter. Our Twitter has gone full alt-right. I don't know why. And it for some reason... It only existed for two hours. <laughs> yeah. Twitter is awful. You get sucked into a hole. I see how people get radicalized so easily on that platform because I got on and the first thing I saw was this whole Russia is in hot water. They're having a coup. Elon Musk is tweeting it. People are basically backtracking their claims every five minutes. Tim Dillon is tweeting crazy nonsense. It doesn't even make sense that said whatever the guy's name was going back to Africa. And I was like, oh my God, it's hard to sort through what's real. Well, you call here. it nonsense, but I'm, whatever Tim Dillon is saying is probably true. I think he's just decided <laughs> oh to God. just say true things loudly and with his funny demeanor, and that's just going to be his new his new gig. Well, it was like a joke, and he was like, I just love that this ended with Putin telling whatever, Wagner or whatever, to go Wagner. back to his, quote, projects in Africa. <laughs> Yeah. No, but it the wasn't Africa, Africa thing. It was is, Belarus. That is true. No, no, you'll see. That's all going oh. That's all. There's something to all that. But I think there's something to this is, we don't have to talk about this because I don't know this kind of stuff. But I will say that just as a whatever I am, lunatic, I guess, psycho. We are lunatics now. Yeah. Uh, this is fishy. The whole the what? coup oh, in the Russia coup thing. thing. Yeah, Fishy. I don't know what's going on. That's an operation. I don't know what the opera is, who it's by. It could be by any number of these countries. It could be by NATO. I don't know. But it's In case weird. you haven't been following along, there's this like mercenary group in Russia called the Wagner, the Wagner, the Wagner. I don't know what the hell, how you pronounce it. W-A-G-N-E-R group that, uh, well, they were... On the front lines fighting of the for Russia war, Russia. fighting for Russia, and then they turned and started marching back toward Moscow, and were like, "We are going to take over." And then they made a deal with Putin. Apparently, there was no deal. Really, it was just they had an agreement where they were like, "Okay, we're not going to take the capital anymore, and we're going to go back to the front lines." Um, it's too textbook, but it caused a lot of hype. Yeah, where it's two you know, people were like, it's a coup, the whole Russian government's going to fall. And then you had all these people cheering for like civil war in Russia. And there were tanks coming around the capital. And then there were some like rumors that Putin had been moved from Moscow. And then the craziest thing of all of this to me is that there's rumors about the nuclear warheads having been moved in Russia. So they've been speculated that the warheads were moved or that they had been moved before. So I don't know. I don't know. There's lots of questions. Obviously... Who knows? It's all, it's all it's all theater. Um, they literally call it the theater of war. Um, so anyway, anyway, yeah, you can get radicalized quickly on Twitter. Twitter, right? Yeah, so we have a Twitter account. Um, but anyway, you can get radicalized so easily on there. It's so crazy. I don't know how people are on this application. I'm like, this is chaos. I can't even figure out how to use Twitter because it's all just text, and then. It's just like a wall of tech. I don't even know who's saying things. Like, it'll be like, this is retweeted. I'm like, what is this? Like, where did this conversation come from? there's like threads and people will have like one of eight and you got to like find it and then go through all the comp. I haven't used it in forever. But really, if you're listening and you plan on interact, just, I guess, say whatever you want to say and just like at 
We'll figure it out. Uh, so that we get lots. <laughs> so we want lots of mentions, I guess, for like, for traction. I don't. And even for know. engagement, you can do the same, but also private message and. Um, oh yeah. Things okay. Like, like if you give have us content, things you want you know, us to talk about, right. Yeah, message us on our Twitter because uh, we want to hear what you have to say about the podcast, if you have thoughts, and if you have things you'd like us to discuss. And do it now before we get so big that we don't have time for DMC. So you'll be in, you'll be like one of those people we actually remember oh, your yeah. name, you know what I mean? We'll be like, yeah. oh, this You're going to be a... in the inner circle. Exactly, exactly. In the cigar-filled back room that's controlling uh, the masses so, or just the mass media. Right. So anyway, the... Uh, I guess the RFK thing we can conclude conclude, but it it there are some so one side to the Peterson one, that's where I was like, okay, calm down. There's- no, it's so interesting that you said that because I had the same reaction to RFK. I was like, wow, I don't I'm young, so I haven't really had that many opportunities to vote for president, but I haven't. And um I think I had one and I didn't. But I'm like, maybe I'll go vote for this guy because uh he Yeah, this is amazing. I mean, literally his Twitter headline. Sorry, I'll just read this. Yeah. As president, I will end the forever wars, clean up government, restore the middle class, and tell Americans the truth. I mean, come now, on. A lot That's of people good. I feel like a lot that of could people, just be rhetoric, people do say that and don't do it sometimes. Right. right. Um however, again, credibility from the p- fact that the the whatever the deep state is, whoever killed like half his family that's credibility to me. Somebody, I mean, I Paul Stamets, the mushroom guy, went on Joe Rogan and said, I can't talk about portobello mushrooms. My life is in danger. Okay. So if, if the, if big, <laughs> big portobello, portobello is a problem, <laughs> <laughs> then big whatever the hell is after that guy's family is a pro, you know what I mean? Like there's power and there's control. And, yeah. That's a thing, and that's credibility to me. And the fact yeah. that he's not saying what my point, what I'm saying is big. What I'm really saying is Big Portobello is nowhere near as powerful as Big Pharma, and Big yeah. Pharma is who. So is in Paul Stamets, world-renowned primary expert in the entire field, is afraid to talk about it because he doesn't know what that might mean for his health. Now, right. What and now, then you've got RFK you've over got here RFK just spouting going, off like vaccines cause autism. And I fucking hate these companies. And th- here's a million reasons and a million deaths that they've caused. And here's Fauci. I, he wrote a book called The Real Anthony Fauci. He uh, yeah. does not. He talks shit constantly about Bill Gates for essentially like kind of genociding people in third world countries. So something legit. Seems I don't know how that why I don't know why you as the New World Order they government would choose that as your as your uh I was gonna say mocking horse but that's not a thing is it but it's like talking a Trojan it's a Trojan horse or mixed with a ta- uh, with a mockingbird yeah so why anyway, would you- well that book though was published in 2021 it's called the real anthony fauci bill gates big pharma and the global war on democracy and public health so he's definitely got all of these big wigs right in his sights or scopes so to speak he's 
conflating, configurating. <laughs> There's a word with a G in it that sounds like conflate. And he's doing that with the New World Order. I Sorry, with Big Pharma and Bill Gates and geopolitical. He's wrote a book that ties these people and that industry to like world moving political power. So that's like the new world order. Like yeah. the new world order. I mean, so that's really interesting. I and so what people say is they call them limited hangouts. Like, so if you're going to be the next Alex Jones, Alex Jones before he got really memeable like he is now, where I, I can't say one way or the other how much the guy is acting ridiculous versus like legit. But I will tell you that he made his bones in the beginning, and the way you do that is by being really authentic at first. You have to expose some stuff. He was the guy that got into Bohemian Grove. He was confronting like Rothschilds and world leaders. He did not like Bush. I mean, you know, and now he's like the right wing, you know, statue basically. So he had to make his bones somewhere. And this is a limited hangout where you're going to go somewhere, get like Tucker Carlson on Fox before he got fired was like the quote unquote limited hangout. Perhaps I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just saying that this is how it would work. You let there be a guy that says all the things or most of the things and you do it because people will flock there and that's where they'll start taking their information from, but it's a limited hangout. So it doesn't go all the Mm, way. It kind of captures you. It kind of captures you. So you Uh, can have a guy like RFK mm. come in and go, oh, yeah, I'm super genuine. Here's how genuine I am. I'm going to point out all the bad guys. This is a huge risk to my health. And then he gets in. This is kind of Monica's concern. And it all kind of goes out the window. And now he's working for the man, that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is, so he's, if for some, to, to use big pharma and this kind of, narrative structure that he's creating as his Trojan horse, like as his limited hangout seems like that's too big of a limited hangout. That's, that's too Mm. risky to expose what you're exposing. So it doesn't seem like they would be exposing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it seems too, so it makes it seem genuine. Is interesting. Yeah. Too is like how across the aisle it is. So it's not really highly partisan. So he's running as a democratic candidate um, but that book he wrote in 2021 that we just mentioned, um, The Real Anthony Fauci, includes statements by Tucker Carlson, Naomi Wolf, Oliver Stone, and Alan Dershowitz, which are like all pretty right-wing people, I'm pretty sure. So, and a lot of the things he says are like very, uh, they're almost like conservative talking points. Uh, and so it's just very interesting to me that you have this candidate who seemingly really straddling sort of what seems to me like the best, some of the best of both sides, some of the best Republican points and some of the best uh, Democratic points. So, yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because he's such a interesting guy. Like, I mean, when was the, Jordan Peterson made this point. When was the last time you got riled up about politics, got really excited about it? You know, like that's how you kind of know you're in bad times. Jordan Peterson said that. Yeah, yeah. I remember him at that point. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also like, God, we do need something. I mean, Trump was like, I mean, I think people were like, we need something. Things are getting out of hand. The government, NSA, security state, you know, military industrial complex. And so people are kind of like throwing a Hail Mary, I feel like. And I feel like RFK is like another 
version of that. Like, here's another Hail Mary, like, way out of left field kind of candidate who's, like, very untraditional, unconventional. But so who's – so let's say he's the uh, he's the ball in the Hail Mary. Who's who's – Who's passing the? Who's oh throwing the Hail Mary? See, you're you know like, I mean? where's the invisible hand that's yeah, coordinating everything? Or, or are you not saying? Maybe you're saying there isn't really one. I don't think there is one, but there might be. I mean, who knows? I think he really genuinely uh, cares and wants to, you know, run. But you know, there could be other things at work. I don't know. I looked a little bit into his biography. So his dad, it was uh, RFK Senior, which is Bobby Kennedy. And Bobby Kennedy was the attorney general in uh, John F. Kennedy's uh, administration. So he appointed his brother to be the attorney general. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things I didn't know about the Kennedys was that they oversaw a lot of the, you know, this was like during the 60s or late 50s. They went after the mob. And they oversaw a lot of the desegregation stuff that Mm -hmm. was going on in America, which was a very contentious time. I think you can look back at that and think, you know, that was a great thing. Uh, But in principle, they actually, so uh, Bobby Kennedy, RFK Sr. and JFK, you know, kind of co-proposed the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So it passed, I think, a couple months after JFK died, but they were, you know, kind of instrumental in proposing this piece of legislation, which is, uh, you know, one of the landmark cases uh, or pieces of legislation in our country. And it's just interesting because, you know, you can think about that being one of the, you know, most progressive liberal things the country has done in a long time. Uh, But it's also one of like the most contentious issues. Uh, So at the time, you know, it was obviously very, the country was very divided about this sort of thing. There was a speech actually given by, by Bobby Kennedy at the University of Georgia back when this had passed, saying like, yeah, saying, uh, you know, some of you may not agree with this legislation, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, uh, but it's the law. And, you know, it's just very like, what a weird different time because, you know, I mean, it's like kind of like a caricature of the South almost to be like, y'all racists down here. But like maybe it was more racist back in the day when people didn't want desegregation. But anyway, and who knows, it could have been different too. That was way back in the day, way before I was born. So who knows? But um, the other interesting point I wanted to make was that, uh, so during the RFK, or not, sorry, RFK, during the JFK administration where RFK Sr. was the attorney general, that was also the administration that uh, mandated the busing of- I was going to ask you that. So he was at the the helm when that was going on? Yeah, where the black students were bused into, you know, predominantly white schools to integrate, you know, schools in the South, which was very contentious. People died in the riots right after that had happened. So, you know, and not to say that that was wrong, but it was just a very contentious moment in American history. I mean, my dad was living in the Midwest during that time. And I think that's where a lot of the, I think that had a lot of problems with that. And he was Mm -hmm. in Wisconsin and which is why I, why I say Wisconsin like that. And I have very few words, Wisconsin. but sometimes they come out and I'm like, where did I get that from? Like, yeah. My dad says, sorry. Sometimes that comes oh, that's out. Very Canadian. Yeah. It comes out sometimes for me too. And I'm like, I don't know anyone that says <clears throat> that. Um, I'm like, except for my dad. Um, he experienced some of that 
obviously he's white and there were like gangs and stuff that like formed you know oh um he was like like loosely formed and he was like kind of like in one maybe like i don't know it could have been even if it was just four or five guys i never really got the the full story but you know anyways that is so crazy because your dad is like Oh, does a job that is totally not related. Like, you would almost think it could not have possibly been in a gang in order to he, be in the job that he's in now. <laughs> he's a high-level, like, president-level um, human resource guy. So, yeah, human resources. Oh, my God. White gangs. No, but it wasn't like that. It was like a protection thing because there was a lot of violence. So, at the same time, oh. while this was happening, I think it was happening with multiple it was just like spontaneously occurring, you know what I mean? Like just my all dad's over not the country deep or state. something. Yeah, he's not like part of. Well, who knows? You know, sometimes those things, mm-hmm. like we saw at the Whitmer case, sometimes those things are formed on purpose a little bit to create a little optics. But the point I made, uh, a detail of this time in his life was that he was almost killed walking home when this, when all these people were being bussed into the community. He was held at gunpoint by by one of these people who was being bust in, gun in his face, for, I mean it's like classic like give me your lunch money, you know because he's in school at the time. It was like that kind of wait like a black person a guy, yeah someone held a gun not from to the your community white dad someone, and was yes, like as oh, these people were being brought in this is when all these kind of problems started occurring and he, I think that moment solidified for him his his position on what was going on and his position will never probably you could never convince him otherwise you couldn't give him like a liberal history class on this he would be like i was there i was going to school these people were being brought in and we all started getting our asses kicked like it sort of like fomented racial tension and maybe violence in the country. Yeah, he's also not like so. Let's resegregate. He was just like that was the stupidest thing anyone's ever done. It wrecked mm. the whole everything going on. And some people may say it was necessary, yeah. but no, it wasn't because that's it was not good for anybody. And it was well, it was actually the same. It's exactly what I said about Mike Pence last time. It's the same weapon wielded against people from the opposite direction. So it's like we go the the gay cake thing was like a, a modern day perfect example of that. We go from, you know, it's like one side says you the gay cake thing actually is not the best, but the whole like gay rights issue we kind of talked about. It. It's like it goes from this shouldn't be illegal anymore because that's the heavy hand of government battering against you, stopping you from living your life the way you want to live it and let seeing whoever you want sure. to see on your dying day life, and liberty, leaving your property to whoever you want to leave your property to. So let's get rid of that. Okay. Stick goes into the other hand. You have to bake this fucking cake. You must do it. You force, you are compelled to make this part of your speech. Mm, You're a commercial mm. enterprise for God's sake. So it's this, it's like, Okay, it's coercion from the other hand. I'm going to beat you with the left yeah. hand, and then I'm going to beat you with my right hand. I, you know, it's ridiculous. So mm. it was. I think that was kind of the feeling. It was like, hey, we're going to take the legal whole like legal racism thing off the table, 
and then what and that that wasn't but that wasn't exactly what happened that happened and then it was like and now you have to take these people from this community and bust them into that community and that has to happen if you don't do it the government will come and make you do it with guns and that was the big mm. problem like so there were the cases where people where schools were like this is causing issues we're not doing this people are losing their minds and then right. the government says, well, it was very well, we'll traumatic be right too there. for those students. I think even I the black, say... there were plenty of black students probably that were like, oh, fuck, this is horrible. You know, like what, what if you're just a normal black kid and you just, well, I was now thinking this is like has... the kids that were actually bust in. I think they were kind of like brutalized and traumatized by the you know, majority white students. And I don't know that that was right to those students. I, of course, they volunteered, but I want to say that. Yeah, I think some bad things had happened to those students actually. But not 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 with with notwithstanding the whole like being a second class citizen for a long time. Like that's traumatizing. So I think there's already some fuel mm-hmm. some fuel there for the fire. You can fan that flame really easily because you have a and that's just been done to the nth degree. You actually have a truly kind of what you might call like a victimized kind of group of people. Like, it's weird if you have to have a separate drinking fountain. That's a little racist, guys, you know. Yeah, that's A little racist. Yeah, but my point just being, like, that was a kind of a big moment for America. Like, huge sweeping changes. Um, You know, I mean, like that, like you were just saying, it was a time of, like, segregation. Like, there were literally different, like, facilities for whites and blacks at that time. Um, And that's something, like, almost unimaginable today. Um, So you can think about you know, RFK Jr. being, like, part of that legacy. Yeah, right. This is the kind of people who, you know, instituted sweeping changes. It depends on how you view those those occurrences depend will dictate how you think about RFK under that light, you know? So if you're someone who, like my dad, that's not a, a way to go. Another star for you, you know, might actually come out and vote for you because that... But if you're on the left... The, the way left that, you know, kind of just accepts all that, anything that came from the left, basically, you'd say, yes, definitely is a star for you. That was, thank God that happened. That nothing, you know, that was what should happen. Yeah, so yeah. it's just, it just totally depends on who you are and how what experience you had, whether or not that, like for us, we're another example, we're younger than having ever had to experience that. So right. we just kind of get the stories know. and we go, I don't know. I mean, sure, he did it. He didn't do it. I can see how you might think that was a good idea in hindsight. Look at it and go, that was not a good idea because you sometimes you try stuff when you don't expect. Right. And by a good idea, I don't think we mean desegregation. I think we mean specifically the busing of minority students into majority white schools. Because that that's the contentious part. Yeah. Particular thing to happen. I would say 99% of people who were like busing was a bad idea are still also at the same time maintained that like desegregation was a good idea. Right. It's just right. the tactic was, was the that idea. the way yeah. to get there. Yeah. Yeah. But regardless, I think, uh, yeah, there was reform needed in America. So did you, you're, are you getting my things that I'm sending you, Ben? I, yes, I'm getting them now. I wasn't getting them before. I watched some of them. I haven't watched the ones you sent me recently. Because one of them was, Hilarious. Oh, I have that one. Oh, I don't have it. I I thought I sent it to you. It was so funny. It was about the South. Oh, my God. There was these Southern guys, and they were doing like a fake hilarious thing. 
I'll try to find it and put the audio in because the audio is just as good as the video. But the video is re- really good because these two guys oh who God. are like, just out in the woods, man, they're like, God dang, these liberals went and legalized gay, married, gay marriage. So now me and Jeff had to get married. And he's like, <laughs> oh he's like, well, you're not gay. He's like, well, it's law, you know? And they like got these two big, like, burn them right next <laughs> oh over and like God. kiss each other and they're like hey honey anyway so then they're like had their <laughs> oh adopted God. like black kid or whatever and he like says something or no is an asian kid and the kid says something in asian and they're like man if they just make english the legal language of this country that wouldn't have to worry about not understanding our daughter i mean it's just <laughs> the, it's like a 10 minute video and it's gold Whoa. it is gold so oh my God. I'll find Put it. that in there. Put I'll it find in it here. and send it to you. I don't, I hope, yeah, as long as it's not from like some big outlet. I think it's just some like funny dudes on Instagram or something. It was oh my God. hilarious. Even I could not believe is. it. We're not making any money, so you can't sue us for money exactly. that you would have made. Please sue us. Yeah. <laughs> do you, what do you want? I've got a lot of broken planters. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking into my, oh anyway, my I found this, um, this little paragraph here, I was looking for something to make a point earlier, and it just has so many of our trigger words in it that I just figured I'd read it. Uh, so we can get triggered to the max. It says, this is a, starting with a quote, and I guess it's Mr. Kennedy, uh, RFK Jr. Should I read it in his voice? My position on... Oh my God, yeah. his voice. <laughs> I They do need to figure out a solution to that because I feel like it could be a simple fix... And it would be a lot better. But I think it has gotten him, better. I think he's had like surgeries and stuff. And there's speculation uh, of how he got that. It could be that some people have, I've heard float the idea that it may be a vaccine injury. Oh, my God. Well, that's crazy. I was just thinking, though, if you look at him, like I had only listened to him. And then I recently saw like pictures of him. Yeah. It makes you feel much more confident about because he's just like a he strong, looks better than all the other presidents fit. we've had recently. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, other than so Obama. Like, okay. Yeah, he looks about a thousand times cooler and more with it than uh, Biden and and Trump, to be quite honest. No, and any he politician, was doing he looks like he probably Twitter. wears exactly. I was like to say, he looks like he basically probably walks around in t-shirts and gym shorts for the most part until he has to go on TV. He looks like yeah, he's in shape. Yeah. But hey, he so what said, did he say? Uh, "Don't do it in the voice." Yeah, my position on gun control is okay because this is a criticism, by the way, that I've heard like. Oh, well, you think he's good, but what about guns? You know, and I'm, you could get me to not vote for him based on that as well. I think the Second Amendment is really important. He said, he says, my position on gun control is I'm not going to take away anybody's guns, Mr. Kennedy, end quote. It says, Mr. Kennedy 69 said in response to a listener submitted question about gun control while speaking about his political platform with, and here's some of our trigger words, Elon Musk and venture capitalist David Sachs. I'm a constitu- oh, this was his candidacy announcement on Twitter in a Twitter space. So he announced his candidacy on Twitter. So this must be from that event. Okay, I have to mention something about that. I did not know that. But then he says, I am a constitutional absolutist. We can agree about... We can, Oh, sorry. We can argue about whether the Second Amendment was intended to protect guns. That argument has now been settled by, Supre- by the Supreme Court. And then it says, instead, this is, so he's not, this is, we're not quoting him now. This is back to the editorializing. 
Instead, Mr. Kennedy made unfounded claims that this is how everything they do to him. This is how they always say it. Instead, Mr. Kennedy made unfounded claims that psychiatric drugs are linked to mass shootings. Then, quote, oh my God. there's Literally something happening in our like country propaganda. right now. He said, so this is Kennedy's, this is his, this is his uh, unfounded claim. There's something happening in our country right now that is not happening anywhere that has never happened in human history, he said. Guns, the proliferation, clearly abets violence. But anybody who tells you that they can remove enough guns, AR-15s, by tinkering at the margins and get to the situation they have in Western Europe is pulling your leg, he added. It's not going to happen. Oh, wow. What an unfounded claim about psychiatric medications. Oh, my God. That's just a logical argument. Like, Because if you really think about it, it's like, okay, so... If you really want to get rid of the guns, you're going to have to forcibly take them from Americans. Like, is that really, like, feasible? Like, are we really going to, like, go into people's homes and be like, okay, give us your guns? You know, like, what are we talking about? Dude, that – I cannot – I feel like people probably said this about stuff that's happening now. I cannot imagine that. No, no. It's it's actually – almost unfathomable. It's like imagining that one day I personally will get on one of Elon Musk's rockets and go into the stratosphere. Like, I don't, that's (laughs) not going to happen. Just like there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to get that. I mean, the problems that will ensue from that. But I swear I thought the same thing about, and I was right, but but now I'm like, I can't believe I was right. So my view has gone literally a complete 180. But I would have said while it was happening, while it was happening, I did say, I cannot believe that they're going to mandate vaccines. Like, I cannot right. believe they're going to do that. Now, they, they weren't even vaccines as they were doing it. But then, and they but, weren't FDA approved. Right. But still, which is an argument RFK has made is that they can't mandate you to take something that hasn't been even approved by the, our own federal agency for health and safety. Here's another point that RFK has made. When he was a kid, he had to take three vaccines to make it through you know, grade school. Now you have to have 73 vaccines. It's now 73? pile on. It's an inordinate amount. It's a lot more. I don't know. It's 73. It's but, uh, yes. out of fucking control. And by the way, you think that doesn't do anything? There's no risk there? Dead silence. <laughs> like, there's, I'm just, I don't know, but I'm just telling you that's worse than thought. But, um, I don't know. Anyway, well, they do this stuff to like discredit him, though. And it's like, I don't understand who like actually believes any of this anymore. I'm like, it's literally just it's, propaganda. That's why like, I said you're an idiot if you yeah. don't listen to the Joe Rogan thing. Because once you listen to him talk basically uninterrupted, which is impressive, which, by the way, I didn't think Mike Pence could do it, but he was interrupted by Jordan Peterson. But like, I thought, oh God, this guy's going to step in it so hard. How could a politician actually talk, a true politician talk? Now, Mike Pence used to be a radio host, a conservative radio host somewhere in the middle of the country. So he probably could do it. Indiana or something, I think. Yeah. But it was boring as shit. And it was it was safe, except for the fact that he was saying crazy shit about like, we need to spend even more money on these wars. But- Kennedy talked off the cuff, basically, for like three hours. And when you listen to it, 
especially the fact that it's literally three hours on a topic that most people already think is a conspiracy. So right, he talks right. about a conspiracy for three hours. And what you'll come away with is you'll realize he is the most reasonable person. He is the most even keel, logical, reasonable individual that you know the name of, of someone who's running for president right now. Literally. Well, he brings facts to the table and to- He's a I regular mean, dude. He's yeah, ta- he's a thousand times more palatable than Trump. He's If, Joe, if Biden's- IQ is average, then Kennedy is a full-fledged rocket scientist. Savant. <laughs> I mean, you. there's no one else that sounds authentic and genuine. And I think that's one of the appeals. That's one of the things I said to Monica. I was like, have we just been so beat over the head for the past like 10 years of our lives by lunatic politic people that any shred of authenticity and we're like, give it to me, all of it. Authenticity is the new currency or whatever. As Sam Tripoli says, authenticity is the currency of the future. But no, they're using all this expert language to like discredit him. And it's so ridiculous. Like there's like these condoned experts and, you know, you... You know, the experts say this is vaccine misinformation. It's like, what experts? Like, where? Okay, we're talking about the facts here. Like, what? Okay, what facts are for the counter opinion? Can you bring those to the table? And it's like, no one is willing yes. to do that. He brings that up during the Joe Rogan interview. when he, And Joe Rogan tries to push him on it, didn't dodge it at all. But he was saying that he talked to, and everyone kept telling him, you need to go talk to a real expert in this of, regarding vaccines. And everyone kept telling him, go talk to Paul Offit who's also been on the Joe Rogan podcast. And he said, I did go talk to him. And at some point during that conversation, he, I knew and he knew he was telling me a lie. And then he keeps telling the story and Rogan goes, wait, wait, what was the lie? And he goes, oh, well, what he said was, and then he made, I, go listen to the podcast. I'm not going to repeat it here. <laughs> some long, detailed explanation of the exact thing that he said, how Paul Offit promised Kennedy he would resolve the conflict over this point and how he did not do that. And that's the answer kind of to the question of like, how does this, who are the experts and why are they saying these things? And how is that happening? Like, how can you go listen to him speak for three straight hours off the cuff as a journalist and then go write an article that literally is just absolutely chock full of language like, Unfounded claims, yeah. You know, lunatic conspiracy theorist RFK makes unfounded claims that are completely, I mean, just so much editorializing. And where does that come from? Like, and they don't use that kind of language about Biden. Are you fucking with me right now? Like, that doesn't make any sense. No, no, it doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely asinine. Don't believe your own eyes and ears. That's what they want to tell you. Like, don't even believe your own eyes and ears. Don't. Yeah. Just no. Listen I mean, to what these people saying. are so upset that you know the the public won't listen to them, and I feel like they so their response is literally like, "Don't listen." Like those people haven't deserved your attention. They haven't deserved your respect. I have deserved your respect and I'm an expert. And it's like, oh my God, like get out of here. Like, who are you? And even if you are, have deserved our respect, I don't know what you did to do it, but if even, even if that's true, this, the way you're handling this situation makes you unfit for leadership. Okay. And 
Kennedy also explains another way that this happens. He said he used to be friends with one of the Fox guys. It was either Roger Ailes or the other guy. They both are part of the story. And he said basically that he was going to do this uh, interview or the story or something with one of their big news guys, anchors. And it like oh, gets all yeah. the way down to brass tacks. It's about to happen and it gets pulled. And the guy, the interview guy, it was someone famous like Jake Tapper. I don't know, someone like that. And he was like, the thing got pulled by corporate. Yeah. This has never happened to me before. And then Kennedy was like, so I just went and talked to my friend, the owner of the whole fucking company of Fox. And he was like, here's the thing, pal. We get all of our money from the pharmaceutical industry and we just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, can't. We can't say certain things. Yeah, we just can't say oh, the true fa- so the tr- these true things. So Right. And then his interview on vaccines got all edited up and chopped up. He talks about that too. Theo Vaughn. Here's another. Theo Vaughn had Ken, uh, Kennedy on his podcast on YouTube. YouTube removed it off of YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. But yet YouTube's Kennedy can go on Spotify for three hours and say all the horrible things that he said, apparently. Yeah. I mean, you can literally have like cop shootings on YouTube. I'm like, literally. what is going on? Like Information war. Were you going to say something about Twitter? Because they announced his candidacy on a Twitter space. Oh, well, that's just weird that it, I didn't know that. And then DeSantis. Hold on. I'm looking it up because maybe I was wrong about that. I think I was just confused. Oh, okay. Well, he, so out. whatever. He was on <laughs> He was on Twitter. It was at a hotel. So, yeah, he was just on Twitter. I, I got confused. Yes, it was DeSantis who announced his running on Twitter in a Twitter space with Elon Musk and David Sachs, which is why I was so confused when you said that, I think, because those were all the same people that were at DeSantis's. Uh, announcement. Anyway, so um, yeah. In other news, did you watch? There's this documentary on Netflix about cloning. So weird. I didn't know any of this. In case you didn't know, newsflash: uh, humans can be cloned. Okay, humans have been cloned. Not uh, yeah. like into full form, like. We didn't grow the humans, but we've definitely cloned human embryos. We all um, know that Obama is really King Akhenaten from ancient Egypt. Oh, my, oh, yes, of course. And Michelle Obama we all is Nefertiti. Know. This is Nefertiti. Uh, this is old news. <laughs> this is old news. But uh, yeah, so cloning has been going on for a long time. Uh, but I was just watching. I was just going to bring it up because it reminded me of this whole conversation we've had about science where we're like, I mean, in, in the Unabomber episode, we talked about people literally abusing children just to get some data. You know, like at, at the core, like some of these scientific experiments, you're like, what is this about? Like, this is like the mad, evil scientist archetype, like literally abandoning all morals and uh, transgressing against everything sacred in pursuit of what? Science as a god? Like, what, what's going on? So anyways, that's what it reminded me of, this uh, cloning documentary, because this guy who was doing all this cloning research and originally post, uh, published a paper that 
kind of was a proof of concept. Hey, you can clone human embryo cells. Well, it you know was a big conspiracy, and turns out the eggs, the because you have to get eggs from human women um, to you know run the study. And he said, well, you know, they just volunteer. We got some volunteers to give us their eggs. That was not true. Uh, he basically had these young women in his study who he kind of like compelled in a sense. You know, they would say they did it willingly, but uh, you know how those things go. Basically, they ended up giving their eggs to him. And it's a very excruciating process to get your eggs, uh, to give your eggs as a woman to science. So, but it just made me think, you know, the kinds of wrongdoings at the hands of science you know, like that was not right. One, to lie about, you know, what had happened and to mislead the whole public and the world. Um, but two, to like, you know, compel these women to give up their eggs. Like, I mean, you can say like scientificalize. I mean, it's one thing to like even say it that way. But like, it's like these women's offspring potentially that they're giving up. You know, it's like a very kind of dark, like, thing going on. and then you like cloned them it was very weird yeah that's why it's very important that we maintain that the you're not even alive human until you're two years old basically abortion oh up my to god two. yeah so because anyway. if if other otherwise you could not i don't think you could be doing that but yeah i mean i'm all i'm disturbed constantly and i i don't know like i always kind of battle the this thing out in my mind between like technology and innovation and what that brings versus like the harms that it does i guess and i wonder if it's like some kind of tautology or like an ontology that is inescapable you know that like with like with the advancement, no matter what, like no matter what, it's always going to have this kind of interesting, nuanced, deleterious effect somehow, ultimately, you know, like ultimately it's wrong almost in a way. Mm. So whether you're inventing, uh, you know, like, so you think like the Amish, you know, like that's must be, they must have some kind of thought like that. Like they're like, we're not doing anything that we can't do with the our simple hands. life is right. Yeah. Like everything's handmade, you know, as a community, as a group, like if that, if we could do it, we could do it. If we can't, we can't, which is a far cry from like even tractors, which came t- to replace the horse and the plow or the hand plow. Now it's the tractor drawn plow. And that is a massive, massive leap if you kind of think about it, at least how we've been to- I mean, the smelting of the quantity of metal, the manufacturing of the metal in that way with precision and bolts and cylinders and pistons and rings and, you know, rubber for the tires, like the process, the, the scientific process that turns natural materials unlike rubber and nature into that, you know, like so much goes into it. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I could see being like, yeah, simple or living a traditional life and how maybe this progress is like a transgression against that because there was all of this question about, um, you know, this is like Ted Kaczynski stuff we were talking about before. 
Kind of, but they were like saying, uh, yeah, this is against God's will. There was this debate, like we're playing God. And then the show just ends with, this is a spoiler alert, but the scientists who fabricated the research going like, well, I don't really know if this is God's realm. Like, <laughs> just like. How would you know? Good point. <laughs> very ominous. Um, but that's true. Like the key, the operative word there that he's using, the operative phrase is, I don't know. And that's. Yeah. We don't know. And maybe that's what maybe that's what happens with the technology. We get a fat fucking head. You know, the hubris of man. Tower of Babel. It's the same story. What read the Old Testament and what you'll discover is that the Jews have this all throughout the Old Testament, it's like God and the Jews, you know, constantly having interactions. And what happens is like God's like, Oh man, your situation is totally shitty. Let me help you with that. And then they're like Okay, we did it. And they're like, yay, us. We're amazing. Also, let's do what we want to do now. Fuck God. And then God's like, gotta catch you off here. Uh, So you're gonna have to wander around in the desert for the rest of your lives. And all of you will die in the desert. And maybe, just maybe, your children will see the promised land because you fucked up again. You got proud, et cetera, et cetera. You decided to be God again. Right. You decided to make false gods. So it's this constant thing. But let's just say that we could take that just symbolically. Maybe that's, maybe that is a really dire mistake to make to do something and then beat your chest and be like, yeah, me, you know, like we did it. We can do anything we can. And I think that's where these like technologists and technocrats and AI sycophants and all these uh, vaccine obsessed, science obsessed, science as religion people that's the mistake they're making, and it happens to be a fatal one over and over and over again throughout all of history. The Greeks yeah. knew it. The Romans knew it. The Jews well, knew it. Well, that was the point I wanted to make was like, Michu Akaku. Michu Akaku. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, Sounds like an but... inappropriate, whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the way um, he talks. He's the guy who talks like this. Is that him? Yeah, he's like... Think about blah, blah, blah. In the yeah. future, we're not going to have. In the have. future, yeah. <laughs> I love his voice. I don't know why. But uh, I just feel like he's creepy. Um, oh, yeah. I don't like him. Uh, but anyway, he was talking about cloning and whatnot. And he was like, why do people die? And he was like, because errors build up in our genes. And with cloning technology, we're now talking about being able to get rid of those errors immortality is on the table for humanity and you're like what is this like you're you talk as if like you're not even a human you're like the end uh, we might as well be dead already immortality is possible it's here right now you know (laughs) like it's just like no regard for anything like it's not even shocking to him He's probably a savant picked up by the CIA because he had a particular skill, which is a photographic memory. So he you just give him a script and he will just... I mean, he's incredibly smart. Oh, yeah. He's, but... Or at least he seems to be. Just the fact that you can talk that extensively for that long about that subject. So, but I looked into his stuff after because I saw him on Rogan and I was like, this mm-hmm. guy, he really is a freaking weird dude. And I wanted to like see what else he was up to. Yeah, yeah. And I found like his website and stuff and his stuff does not look like you would expect. 
like his website from what I remember it looks like some weird stuff from like the 90s and it's like all it almost looks like maybe he's some kind of like astral religious person like it just gives off a different vibe than he gives off when he's talking in a scientific manner you know what I mean well he is a theoretical physicist oh my god I did find it it looks like it's like, it's like oh all God, starry and weird, right? It's literally like looks like it was made in the 90s, this website, and it's got like a galaxy background and yes. all of these colors so and weird fun. So him with his hair like blowing back. Yes. <laughs> really it's good. It's so weird. Anyway. It, so anyways, I, I don't know what I thought when I saw that. I just thought exactly. I was like, interesting. Weird. I don't, I don't what is Who is this guy? Like, Yeah, I don't know. So... Anyway, yeah, he was saying that stuff. But so anyway, just the point being that it like caught the attention of the, you know, main media or mass media or whatever, mainstream news. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was so strange that we're like talking about cloning and like (laughs) immortality. And we're just talking about it like, yeah, maybe, you know, of course, that's a thing. And I was like, when we start talking about questions like immortality, I feel like you, it's like, okay, um, if we're talking about immortality now, we like really need to start wondering about like what it means to be alive. Like to put it simply, I watched this other video where this person was like, this old woman was talking. She's like a, you know, a teacher or whatever to a whole crowd of people. She's Indian, I think. And uh, she was like, we are here to figure out what it means to die. Oh, my God. I knew you were going to say that. How did I know? I believe that in a way. I think that's why I thought you were going to say that because it's in oh. me. That question is that like conclusion exists in my mind big time. Interesting. Yeah. Because it's like, why else are we going to, why else are we born and then we die and then we don't take anything with us? I don't understand. Like, so we're here to die. Like, that's the whole point. That's like a major point, <laughs> clearly. Right. Right. Because that's where you stop being here. Yeah, and it's so interesting. Yeah, because it's, I mean, you could just meditate on that. That's such a deep thought to me. Um, I've been and, watching a True Blood yeah. about vampires and they're immortal, basically. Oh. We're watching it just for fun. Well, it's isn't that a... interesting? Vampires yeah. are immortal. Like, if we're going to become immortal, we might become something like uh, half alive monsters. Yeah. The show is so tacky. And Feasting on blood, of, by the way, also another right. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But it's a deep, it has it's more deep than you think. It, it has its deep points. Like they, they kind of do make those points, you know, along the way. But yeah, it is. It makes you think, you know, like you just contemplate, like, would you want to live forever? And you're kind of like, yes. And like the vampires are all kind of naturally, for some reason, even though they used to be people, like kind of immediately upon becoming an immortal vampire, they're immediately out of control. They have to kind of figure out how to gain control, but they don't really. That's like a question throughout Mm. the show. Like, do they have to? Like, there's some vampires that want to mainstream and there's all this like, we're not all like this. And but then you keep getting confronted with, but you kind of are all like that. Like one of the first conclusions is like, you don't have to worry about conscience anymore or morals. That's for people. This We're is in the immortal. show. So people become like vampires in the show or something. And there's like yeah. And then immediately when they come, become like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm crazy. They're kind of out of control and they kind of get a little normal, but they got to eat uh. and all this stuff. And so they're the a part of the show is they've, they've, these scientists have come up with a new technology that's like blood that you don't have to get from people. Uh, mm. So it's like ethical. So now you can come out of the coffin, come out of the closet oh, as a vampire. My God. 
And wow, uh, this is so deeply symbolic. I feel like this is like a spiritual manifestation of what's going on. If you can get past the horrible fake accents that they all do, it, which takes a minute, but it's it's pretty decent for a show. It's like got all the magic and fun stuff. Um, but it, you know, you think about it, and it's it is interesting that that's kind of just a universal way of thinking you start thinking about what if we didn't have to die and then like some of the first things that people come up with is like well maybe morals go out the window i don't know why why not because what are really morals anyways if you don't if you don't have to die and are they all really like that like they all kind of do actually have a thirst for blood human blood specifically right Mm, right you know it's an interesting kind of thought experiment to consider yeah well even just to analyze the symbol of the vampire, like these entities that live forever, creatures of the night that can't see the light, that need to feast on human blood to survive because they don't have an essential life force themselves to sustain themselves. But the vampire blood is possibly life itself. Like it's a very, because of a human in the show, vampire oh, blood is a drug. It's like an illegal street drug that's like bad, you know. And one drop of it makes you just, oh my God, it's so amazing. And that's what it's like to be a vampire all the time. You're just always having just the, the most intense, but they're all very like The main place during the show for the <laughs> vampires to hang out is all centered around Fantasia's, which is a bar that's got like pole dancers. I mean, it's just a very licentious lifestyle. So a lot wow. of, hmm. so if you're like, of course, most of them are super good looking uh, prime of life age um every night you kind of like reset or whatever you heal you you can't get injured etc cetera, etc cetera. so they um right a stasis of sorts yeah so they get to be that forever too so it's uh mm-hmm. it's to a certain extent there is like a natural draw to like escaping mm. it sounds like hedonism yeah death me, is scary like, and yeah. without it do we maintain our humanity. Right, right. Exactly. So that's a big question, you know. So it just, yeah, it's strange to me that these people are ready to talk about all of this stuff very scientifically without addressing the, like, real important questions, seemingly, about what it means to be human. Yeah. Let me bring it back to that thing I was saying a minute ago about this, like, pride, which is very symbolic of, like, like the worst thing that could happen is like total destruction, right? Like, so the Tower of Babel ends with like total destruction. Everything gets mm. messed up. All the, this is where the origins the tribes in get the Bible. scattered and their languages become different. Yeah. And true or not, it's symbolic. And what is it? It's like this pride of man. Again, we're going to build a tower to the gods up to the heavens because we can do anything. And, I so without I think without you take this like sneaky thing that like seems warranted in a way pride sometimes you know you do a great thing congratulations and we talked about that tribe that everybody insults the meat remember that we talked mm-hmm. about the squishman yes, yes. you get the, so you know clearly they're not advancing to the in the same way we are however maybe when the next great crumbling of the tower of babel comes on the world stage those guys will continue to live on and persist. But Mm. you have, so if you, what happens, you know, if you take that pride out of the equation and you allow for the technological advancements so that we can have 
nice things, uh, not because we're proud and we deserve them, but because God know, has given to given them to us or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So God has blessed us with technology. So you take the pride out of the equation, and I think the first one of the main things that that does, at least this is a thought I had, is that it leaves you open to you to the fact that there is an unknown and that the unknown might not be good. So let's say you invent tractors mm. and you've discovered that it does it's this method is doing something really bad, which we, which we may be discovering now with like factory farming or with monocropping and stuff. There's a lot of down the road fixes for these things. Now we have to spray ungodly amounts of chemical fertilizer ungodly amounts of pesticides that might be harming people that's it's pollution if nothing else etc 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 you know but instead of recognizing these as like oops back to the drawing board it's next thing fix the you know but in a in a prideful way not so because of course what you did wasn't a mistake it just had some consequences that need to be addressed now side effects just side of their side effects to the medication the ones that you like the ones that were that you're prescribed for are called the effects and all the things that it's not prescribed for but that still happen because of the medication are called side effects we weren't wrong to mandate the vaccines that probably caused more harm than benefit they created but uh those were just side effects you know, that kind of yes, thinking. Yes, but and, and maybe you justify it because in the long run we saved more, blah, 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 whatever kind of thing. But all of this is so uh, pretentious. Yeah, yeah, Like definitely. you don't know, you don't know everything. And there's some things you don't know profoundly. Like we profoundly yeah. do not understand life. But well, if I you think act it's... like you do, you might just start, ripping eggs out of people and cloning humans not bringing them to a full human and then terminating them over and over and over again and you have no idea literally you don't know what you're doing you don't know what you're doing you're doing it but you don't fully understand the complexity of the entire universe in which or the the planet that we live on so yeah it, and it makes well, and it and it'll lead you. This is how I know that pride's a major factor, and it's a blinding factor, and it's it becomes very bullshitty, and I think apparent, and then you have to become kind of evil in a way, and that's where it gets to like Tower of Babel level, where things are just really effed up, or so the story may go, because you have like advancements like electric vehicles, because we're good people and all this, like we've already talked about. What about the cobalt mine? Yes, yes. This yes. is a secondary effect well, that we have mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. So it's like progress at what cost? I think might be a decent right, way to exactly. put this. You know, yeah. Like, well, and then you have to redefine progress. Like, so if the cost is that great, you really have to ask yourself: Is it even progress, or is it right. just the shuffling, the geographical <clears throat> relocation of human suffering for the benefit yeah. of leisure for some other group of people? Right, the reallocation of costs and benefits. Like we've just moved costs over to one group and reallocated benefits over to another group. Yeah, making one group better at the expense of another is that progress. Um, but I wanted to note, so it's interesting because, you know, back in the day, like Plato, philosopher king idea, 
you know, the leaders, we considered these people philosophers. And this was like the Greek idea, maybe not like back in the day, like in the 1960s. Um, and philosophy literally means like lover of wisdom. And yeah. now we live Sophia, in a society ruled by, yeah, we rule by uh, experts, which just means skilled and experienced, which is just exactly the kind of the point you were making. It's like, how can you be skilled and experienced in the unknown, which inevitably you're going to have to face as a person, as a leader, as a country? You can't be skilled and experienced in the new and the novel and the ever-changing you know, world around you. So it's just interesting. That, and a, a political yeah. structure run by experts is called a technocracy. And that's really what we... What they, I think, big T, they strive for is oh my God. a technocracy, a global yeah. technocracy. Speaking of that, so we, I labeled uh, the title of one of the former episodes fascism, and then I went and looked that up because I thought I might have been misusing it, actually, because I was like, fascism is where like businesses run the country, like large corporate entities, small groups of people, men with power end up running the country. And I realize that's actually not a commonly accepted definition. Like most definitions out there are what seem to me to be the definition of dictatorship, where they're like an authoritarian government ruled by one person, which is very strange. I just thought this was so weird. Like I'm not even Wait, saying what fascism means. Are you saying means. that's the accepted definition now? Because I've yes. never thought about it as that. That's like a new yes. thing. Isn't that weird? So if you look weird. it up. The definition of fascism. This is Merriam-Webster. A political philosophy movement or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for centralized autocratic government. Here's the key. Headed by a dictatorial leader. And I'm like, that's just dictatorship. Like, that's not fascism. So I had to look it up, the etymology of the word. So fascism comes from the Italian. This is like the Mussolini era. Uh, fasces, like F-A-S-C-E-S, which means a bundle of sticks in Italian. So it literally means like a bundle, like a group of powerful people ruling. So it does not mean a dictatorship. Like, so they're, and changing, so, they're changing definitions, basically. Well, so apparently there's like a connotation that the fasces were a bundle of sticks around an axe. So there's like a head, a, a sharp head, um, so, you know, there may be a dictator at the helm, but the critical part is the bundle part, like the group of people. And then I was looking and I was like, why does it have all these different associations? And so then, like, essentially all these different groups self-label and get labeled by the media as fascists. So since, you know, Mussolini, all these different groups in different countries have been labeled as fascist. And then, you know, essentially... People now are like, okay, well, what does fascism mean? And then they just take the average of all of these different groups. And you're like, what? Like, how is that how we arrive at meaning? Like, just because I say I'm a fascist doesn't mean that, like, now fascism has a new meaning. You know, it's just weird. I was like, what is going on with language and how we're using it? I was like, literally, like, the root word means bundle. So I don't – it was very strange. Anyway, I got stuck in a rabbit hole there. But – yeah. Authoritarian government. Right. 
I'm trying to figure out how to use the Oxford English Dictionary online, but I just cannot figure it out. But I wanted to look up an old definition of fascism, like from the 60s maybe, just to see what it's, how much it's changed, because I bet it was a lot more what we probably think of just a few short years ago. Yeah, sorry, fasces is a Latin word, F-A-S-C-E-S, literally bundle, um, and then Italian fascio, F-A-S-C-I-O, group or association, bundle, um, and a fasci, F-A-S-C-I, is a group of men organized for political purposes. So I don't understand how it ever got to be associated with dictatorship. So I just yeah, think, weird. yeah, the word is like changing meaning and people think like they get the image of like Hitler or Mussolini, like the dictator, like that's fascism, like one evil man. And I'm like, oh, my God, you are just way oversimplifying what's going on. Like, obviously, it's not one evil man. Like when how would one evil man bend the will of millions of people? Like, what are we talking about? I could yeah. be evil. I don't. No one listens to me. Okay, you know, like, <laughs> like, yeah. I, it doesn't matter what I think. You need a at least a small group of evil men to get together. <laughs> Powerful evil to, men. Right. Yeah. So, it's like, this is there's so a lot weird. of prerequisites on that unwielding, world changing motions. Yeah, just weird. Anyway, the last thing I wanted to say uh, is just this fact. So I listened to this. Uh, EP by Hozier. <laughs> He's a great musical artist. <laughs> We're really changing gears. Um, I'll type back in. But uh, it was very doomy and gloomy and like sign of the times to me. There's only like four songs on the EP, but like one of the songs is titled like Everything Will End. Another song is like Eating Your Young. Um, and I just thought and you listen to it, and it's, like, very... I was like, this is art. Like, hmm. I was like, this is a real encapsulation of, like, what's happening right now, like, at a deep level, like, at, like, almost a spiritual level. Like, it's not like, oh, this is, like, me as an artist trying to get my message out there. This is, like, an artist trying to capture what's happening to our society. Um, And I thought, we are in a bad time. We're in a bad time because... Bad times. I feel like we literally, our art is like apocryphal. Like everything that I consume, I feel like that's like new art or music or shows is like apocalyptic. And I just think that's how it goes right before things crumble. So I don't know what's about to happen, but I feel like like the four uh, cycles you were telling us about, like I feel like we are in for a crisis and all of our art is telling us that that's what's coming and, uh, yeah, and then we've got candidates like RFK coming to the forefront, these Hail Mary candidates, and I don't know what it's going to look like. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I feel this way. I'll oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the way that art and culture interact be- can quickly become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it's hard to tell, you know. What? Yeah. So if it's if if you're chicken or the egg, witnessing something and then ref- depicting it, or if what everybody is depicting is becoming made reality manifest more and more yeah. and more, you know, because there are these movements that I feel like I don't know if they bring me hope or not. It could just be another troubling fact, or it could be possibly a good thing. 
but you have the this movement seeming to be bubbling about and I that's why I think they're going to do something crazy soon like some big crazy horrible thing to get us all off this but that there's some kind of movement to I can't I can't I'm going to give bad examples so that the people will know what I'm talking about but they're not the examples that I'm necessarily referring to fully but like the fact that something like the daily wire would emerge which is like trying to create claims to be trying to create kind of like a safer space for the kind of discussions that are being canceled everywhere for no good reason they're trying to maintain at least uh image of like moral a moral society they're creating content like producing films and shows and that kind of thing and i think that that's happening in a lot of places i mean even i think joe rogan could be considered like a manifestation of that as well the fact just the fact that his convert like having rfk back on there to talk about these things that you can't talk about Mm. and people Mm -hmm. really being like you know it's time to start taking back culture and so what is this the stuff that they're going to create are going to be like shows that are not just simply drugs sex rock and roll destruction whatever it'll be you know maybe trying to create things that are still entertaining, but instill a family value or instill some kind of a virtue, right, this right. kind of rip. So you have something to model after. Yeah. And when you think about that and the possibility that that'll have some kind of impact, it makes me think maybe art doesn't, sometimes maybe it should be a protest. You know what I'm saying? In a way, mm. because I feel like that kind of, like when I was younger, I would listen to like some dark music because I felt dark, but the music I think fed into the darkness, you know, the messaging of the music, the sound of the music. And I'm oh, talking yeah. about like, listen to like disturbed, you know, get down with the sickness, you know, it's, it's a really creepy music. Like there's a whole part where like he's being sure. abused by his mother, like in the song, you know what I mean? Like oh, it's really God. dark and, at, at one at one level at that age, it's like, this is so deep and symbolic and speaks to me. And at another level, I'm like, I think that was feeding. Because I can listen to that now and have the nostalgia for it and be like this music. And it gives you that vibe, you know, that feeling. If that's all you listen to, it would be, it would have its effect on you, I believe. So yeah. it's interesting to think about that kind of art and culture and its effects. Yeah. Well, it seems very Jungian to me, like almost like it's our subconscious, like not all things you might consider art, but like true works of art. Like, and that's why I was saying, I think the Hosher album is like a true work of art to me. Like, I don't think it was like someone's ego. Like this person wasn't trying to fill the music with like just themselves. They were like really trying to encapsulate something honest. I felt like, and that I think where does that emanate from and it's like something subconscious is like the Jungian idea and when you have all this subconscious imagery of apocryphal stuff it's uh well it's very troubling um yeah it's interesting yeah. I mean it definitely gives you something to see and to there here's a distillation of something you can look at it and you don't have to have the reaction that 
as a kid right. I had, you know, like, yes, oh, it still speaks to me. It could have the opposite effect, you know, and be like maybe the experience my parents had while they heard that same music. They thought, <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is such a bad sign. You know We've what I mean? We've gone like, full this circle. Is, this means something is wrong, you know, that this is the kind of stuff coming out. And that can go too far. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, the last thing I wanted to say, you were sort of saying, um, well, God damn, I lost my thought. Um Hold on, it'll come back to me. Uh, Should I say something to distract you to make it come back? Okay, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, first of all, this book you got me, the words are here, you know, this is right side up, but if you open the book, it's like the cover's on upside down on the hard copy. It's very, I didn't know if that was symbolic or not. I have no idea. But I'm just throwing this out there since it's something I've been reading um, and it seems like it'll probably start bleeding in a little bit. I got to look up this word though, because it's what the person's focusing on. And I realized, I was like, I don't know what I feel about this. And I realized, I'm not sure if I understand what this word is. And the word is austerity. Yes. Well, and, while you look that up, I did remember what I was thinking. Okay, the good. Last I thought thing that would happen. I wanted to say was, because you mentioned about... Um, you know, sort of models. They might, these conservative people like the Daily Wire might create something that we could model ourselves after, something to look up to. And that was so interesting because that was what I was going to say is about, I feel like almost like unfairly, like I'm a young person, you know, I'm in the first seemingly quarter of my life still, um, or maybe heading into the second. And uh, yeah, I feel like there are no, elders in our society like there are no people I really there are very few not no but there are very few older people that I feel like I can look to for actual wisdom like I look at older people and especially if you look at like popular older figures I'm like you're crazier than I am and I'm like what is going on like why is there no traditional wisdom left in our society for me to find it's like I feel like we need to create new wisdom. Like I feel like literally like I feel driven to like rekindle our connection with like traditional wisdom from like the Bible and from old religious texts, like whatever. It's not just Christian, but um, yeah. And I'm like, it's so strange to me that seemingly no one alive who's older has any of this like even knows what it means like it's very strange to me and I feel like that's very in line with like this whole apocryphal imagery like literally the elders in society like seem so lost to me and it seems so troubling and people will talk you know back to like the young people being so uh and messed up people will be like young people are so messed up and I'm like they're literally just lost like they have no one to guide them and like wh where is the wisdom from the older people you know like this is the same older people who introduced phones and the internet and gave them to kids and you know porn on the internet's fine for everyone you know cursing on tv it's like we'd made all these decisions you know and now here's where we are and then it's like and now you just want to complain about how lost the children are and you're like um, are you going to take any accountability, any responsibility for this, older people? Like, I don't 
understand obviously you know not to rag well, on older people but it's really interesting it's, and weird because what this makes me think of to like the nth degree is the concept of time and so as you get older time gets weird and it compresses and you think about things like your parents so like i'm in my 30s that's quite frankly terrifying <laughs> and you see your own youth fading your parents getting older you know that like like somebody once said i think it's kim's dad like after his parents died it's like well we're next so like once your parents are dead you i can imagine now as i get older i understand the feeling associated with going and the reality of that statement like not like haha funny dark joke like literally probably we're next like we're supposed to be next right so we're gonna die soon not soon but then i started thinking how long might kim was like oh my parents are gonna die that's sad you know and i was like how long could that be i was like well i'm my parents are like robert or whatever they're getting older close to 60 is robert 60 yes over 60 so he's 60 and his mom's still alive so i could my mom can still be alive in 30 years when i'm 60 Here's an interesting thing. 30 years from now, that's another entire lifetime. It's a weird concept. That's another yeah. entire of my lifetimes. So it's like, well, what do you have to worry about? All the time that you've been here now, you have that much time again, possibly with your parents. Maybe not, but maybe. Now, that's right. interesting. And then again, it's a weird, alone. It's a, view, it's a weird view of time. But what I also notice is... I'm 10 years, I got, I became, I went, I became a 10 year old three times. That's all. That's nothing. I'm an idiot. We're children. We're 10 year olds times a couple, you know? <laughs> and yeah. that as you get older, time gets smaller and smaller and you realize, and so now you can extrapolate this, like what you were saying, like, where are these, where's this old wisdom? It's like, it's like literally not there because we, and especially in a world in our country, it's so young. We're only a couple hundred years old. There's cultures and places that have been around kind of more consistently in their basic form for thousands of years. We literally, our story at least, is we were over there at some point, like our people, and then they came here just like a couple generations ago, and now we're here to start over. We started over. Hmm. And that's an interesting story. I don't know if it's true, but it's how we view it. We separated. We broke away from like the British Empire, right? This like long standing kind of ancient type thing. And Monarchy, we did a new thing. Yeah. And at the same time, I so I have all these kind of concepts of time. Like we do we how do we even have enough time to become as wise as we perceive the man with the white beard? you know, like the Masonic mm. image, you know, like what kind of wisdom are we talking about? And this makes, this makes my head go all over the place because I also think I have, I get the sense that, that, that white bearded man image is a kind of wisdom. It's a symbol of a kind of wisdom that we know exists. And I think it exists within us on a certain level. And it's why we wish he were there to revere and that he has much knowledge. You can basically trust him. Whatever, if you have a question, you can ask the bearded man. Mm, and literally an archetype, wise old he, man. 
He's slow to anger. He's slow thinking. He talks slow. He's old-fashioned, but he has the wisdom. He knows. He's seen it before. And I think that might be, and this is probably links directly with the concept of why we have to die. I don't know. But I think that that could be, and like, I think we know that man inside of ourselves. Yes, yes. Well, this is so Jungian. That's the like... Let me find old man archetype. Yeah. Let, okay. Yeah, tell me. Okay. So it it's it's a weird th- because it what that immediately again back to the pride thing. It steals your pride away because you once you realize that 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 Santa Claus is not a real person, that God is not a bearded man that's old and knows stuff. If he exists, that's not probably what he is. I'm just saying f- literally. So you immediately. If you have to, it's the Gospel of Thomas, which is a not in the Bible, but it's a gospel out there. Very interesting text. It says things like, when you look for Jesus's return, don't look to the sky, for if he's coming from the sky, then the birds will precede you in recognizing his presence. You know, things like this, symbolic flowery language, but like he's not coming from some place. He's coming from you. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. only place he'll ever come from. And that means you have to look within and then you see how miserably you fail at being that thing. At mm-hmm. how miserably you fail at listening to the fucking wisdom that you already know. Mm-hmm. And then you can become, I think, more and more. I think this is why there's a big push. I'm getting like weird here. There's a big push to get rid of like morality and stuff like that. Because if you don't have like some kind of moral structure, a moral system, then you don't, then you lose something very important. And those things are shame and guilt, which I fucking hate these things. I'm the first one to be like, God, make me a vampire. But (laughs) without these things, you have pride and you have pride in your folly because what you do by letting go of shame and guilt is you don't instantly become the white haired man with wisdom. You just simply forgive yourself for failure and you go... You accept your failure. You accept yeah. it and you go, it's not failure. You celebrate it, even worse. And you become like this: these opposing gods, these demigods, these... Subversive forces. This Bacchus and Dionysus and drunkenness and licentiousness and these kind of other things that are, in a sense, demons, demons. Destabilizing forces. And you can become, so once you let go of these things that are of actually informing you of the thing within you, these guilt, shame, things like this that kind of direct you a little bit and kind of nudge you around and good feelings too. You know, when you help somebody out, you feel, why does it feel good to give a gift? These are these kind of forces like having their influence on you internally. But if you let go of some of those forces of nature or whatever, of God, whatever those things are inside of us, then you become deluded the root word of uh, delusional shares the same root like you become drunk in a way Mm. you you know what i mean you you become kind of crazed and like a and from the outside you look like a lunatic these like this there's an image there's like an archetypal image emerging in our culture of the blue haired trans fat, whatever that person is that's screaming at the top of their lungs because 
fucking Jordan Peterson is going to say words out of his mouth on a stage in front of a hundred people. And they just go, that's an archetype now. And that archetype is the ugly face of some two-faced God. The beautiful archetype is the tranny that's like a Jeffree Star, you know, like beautiful and kind of cool. And now he's a cattle rancher and he makes makeup, but he's really hot, but he's a dude and I'm confused, but he's like, he's based, he's, he's not woke, you know, like that's this kind of other face of this thing well like mercurial spirit like a two-spirit person someone who can walk in both masculine and feminine realms i could see that there's a yeah very interesting version of that but since they're not the truth since it's not they're not the truth that if you give yourself over completely to those things no matter what the the outer image shell looks like you find it's if we see it in the in movies that kind of go along this kind of thinking when they end the way they should, they come to the correct conclusion. It's like, yeah, all that, a great depiction of this artistically is to make it look amazing. And then in the very end, it finally shows you and exposes that it's not amazing. It's actually the thing that's going Rotten to destroy at the you. Core. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a poison apple. Mm. And, yes. and I think we know that. And that's what the guilt and shame, because especially once you really start analyzing yourself, like for me, I do that because compulsively on an unhealthy level and I see it and it like, it like bothers him because I'll say like, I have a demon and I feel that I don't like, not like, oh, I'm going to like spin my head around and vomit <laughs> all over the place. That kind of demon. It's just like, oh, I recognize the battle. It's the good wolf and the bad wolf inside of you. That's like a native, Amer- one of the native American tribe traditions of understanding the same thing. Whichever wolf you feed wins. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. can feed either one. You can become whatever that is true. So that's like how come this like degradation of society is based on a kind of truth that's difficult to argue with because it's like this limitless potential. We kind of can do anything, right? Can't we, guys? And it's like yeah. maybe, maybe not. Probably. It seems likely we if we can't do everything. We sure can do a lot. And it's impressive. And that doesn't mean anything. Thine eyes deceive you. Yeah, you have to keep... Yeah. You have to maintain that struggle. I, I like to say balance because, like, because I don't know what what's going on here. I don't know why people make more people, and then and we have like kids, and then we die, and then they die, and everything's really scary sometimes if you think about it in the wrong light. And all of those things are true. So, like, and also to make babies, like, you do a thing that feels good. Should that feel bad? Like, should what, like, you know what? Like, it's, yeah, yeah. Sure. There's a, like, a weird thing that goes on where I'm like, I don't know where we are. Are we supposed to be here or not? I'm just saying that in the, in the world where we actually don't know, like that doctor said, we really don't know, period. If this is God's realm or whatever. Yeah. Well, so maintain like a, a good vantage point of all of this stuff. And it's interesting that you say that. Well, yeah, so I was going to say it's like uh, interesting about the things rotting from the inside. That's what I was thinking recently. It's like because you'll hear all these appeals to like science and look around you. Look at all the progress we're making. Look at cities. Look at, you know, all this fancy technology. And then I think it's like in some ways like your eyes deceive you. Like because on some level you know it's like rotting you and it's rotten on the inside. Like the phone is beautiful. It's got all the information in the world, but there's something 
dark about its center, you know. Yeah, well, so back to the traditional wisdom, too, coming from within, that's so interesting because that's like the Jungian, he pointed this out, like this archetype of the wise old man. And this is not like Jung didn't come up with this. He's like given it words, but he was like, this is a concept that's been written about for centuries across cultures. Um, And he expresses it as like, so it's an archetype, some subconscious form that exists across lifetimes that's stored deep within, you know, not even the human psyche, like the human psyche in the kind of like the woo-woo sense, like not like your literal brain because it's like across all of the human species and all of time. And that now we're getting kind of crazy here. But, uh, you know, the wise old man kind of representing like traditional wisdom. So it's so interesting that you brought that up because that's what I was saying is like there's no traditional wisdom left in society. Like there's no, this is also the same thing as like there's no father figures in society. And then you look at too the crisis of fatherhood. Like we have more fatherlessness in, uh, well, across all demographics, but in minority demographics particularly, it's gotten worse than it's ever been before in history. So these things are literally true, but they're also spiritually, symbolically true. Um, and the wise old man is like the father in some sense. Like he is the father that you project onto your literal father that is made manifest through your relationship with your literal father, but is so much more than that. And so this is like this, you know, like the reality and then the veiled reality, like seeing your father and knowing him as a man, but then the relationship with not your father, but with the father, like the wise old man, like there's an archetype actually overlaid on your father, someone that you don't know. Yeah, because know. most of our parents don't actually, is the word extol? They don't like... Oh, that's a good word. Is that the right word? What does that even yeah, mean? Yeah, I think so. Extol, Those, like virtues or something. The that Yeah, that persona... So exactly. it, it, the interesting thing about them not doing that, and maybe this is why we suck, because we have to suck so that our children suck, so that we can learn something here, because right. it's not right. them. It, the, even the closest, the best thing is them. It's better than daddy government or whatever daddy from the church. It's you, <laughs> Daddy it's pastor. <laughs> whatever, yeah. So your closest thing is the best thing. And that relationship is deep and rich no matter how it goes. It's going to have an effect on you that spans a lifetime and that you'll work through however it will. Right. So that was so... Ultimately, I'll just say ultimately, because they fail, you have to... It's a maybe look within kind of thing, you know, like... Exactly. Well, that was what Jung said too, like becoming a full person. When our fathers all suck, how did that get into that subconscious Psych, well, you know what I mean? Like it's just there that's for, what, because it's part of re- the fabric of reality. That's kind of, yeah, the Jungian argument. It's like this is something, who knows what the source of these things is, but they're certainly the source of our conception of these things. It's um, an amalgamation of all of our unconscious desires exactly. maybe. That we all yes. wish that it were this. And, and the fact that yes. that's so innate and incarnate within ourselves and sometimes, as they point out, subconscious, it still reveals something. But it's funny because I think that the wise old man is just as much, like you're saying, whatever he calls that, like an archetype, is just as much a real archetype as is the 
death car. You know, it's just as much reality as the bad sure, the archetypes that are scary or whatever they are, you know. A pantheon. Yeah. He calls them. Yeah. There's like the wise old man, the unknown man and the unknown woman. And then there's another one. And I, I don't I can't remember right now. But essentially, like, it's interesting because he thinks about coming to full personhood, like full self-actualization is the integration of all of these different archetypes into the self. And so he was saying the passing of your parents, for example, is a very important milestone in your life because once those people pass, it's like they could serve as that archetype for you. But now the archetype has to be made manifest in your own life. Um, And so there's like not just the parents passing, but like also just leaving home like you know, they serve a literal role. They're like, there's an actual person who can fulfill the role of like the traditional spirit for you when your father is around and raising you as a child. But then when you become an adult, the father is not that role, but you still need something, a traditional spirit to guide you. And now that comes from within. Um, And so, yeah, the relationship with these things, the integration of them with the unconscious, back to your point about like, humbling ourselves before the unknown. It's like the integration of our conscious attitude and subordinating it to our unconscious wisdom, as Jung would say, is like there's these unconscious things that actually guide us that is like akin to humbling ourselves before the unknown is I would say it's the proper way forward. the unknowable. Yeah. yeah, the unknowable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, that is like feeds the ability to remain humble and recognize that like no matter what, I am not going to figure this out. And so if we don't figure out, like Michael Jackson said, that man in the mirror, then we're there's no hope because we are made exactly <laughs> because we are all people and that's all we are. Yeah. Yeah. But we gotta go. We got to go. Yeah.